strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. We're not reviewing a book today. We have a very special guest coming on. Us all being in the food space and all, I think we can really appreciate Edward Cooking Jarvis, the retired competitive eating champion. He actually holds the world record for most food titles in the world. So before Joey Chestnut came around, he actually held the American record for most hot dogs eaten, I think it was 30 and a half. And everyone remembers the Kobayashi chestnut battle. But when you really think about American competitive eating, Edward Cooking Jarvis is really the foundation it was built off of. So Corey, I don't know if you remember watching him on the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest at all, but he was a fixture. Yeah, I don't remember like specifically, but when you told us he was coming on, I knew the name. I knew the name and I remember when he hit me up on Facebook, I immediately saw him. I'm like, oh, wow, I remember that. So that was cool. I'm excited. I know. I'm excited to have him on. You guys know how much I love dumplings. I mean, talk about a dumpling king. This guy, 91 dumplings in eight minutes. I I want to know like what's involved in that. It's mash made in heaven. Yeah, I know. I wonder if he like uses water at all or if dumplings is different because dumplings is a, usually steamed. Also, dumped, du- steamed or fried is a good question I have for him. That seriously, Corey. Or were they pan seared? Did they have to switch it up? And exactly. I'm very curious to know what it, what life was like in that lane for this guy. And I always wonder, is there like, has there ever been a time, and we'll find out from him where, the contest was over and he wanted to just keep eating. (laughs) (laughs) He's still hungry. Yeah. That's a great question. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, guys, obviously uh, before we have him on here in a few, let's dive into, I know there's a lot going on in the world right now. We kind of leapfrog from the Corona to these protests overnight, but uh, let's dive into, did you guys eat anything interesting last night? Dan, anything in Carlston? I I didn't even eat anything interesting. I don't want to dwell on it. The one thing I'll do is give a quick shout out to you for introducing me to Gold Belly because that's a great service for anyone that we're doing a free ad right now. Gold Belly allows you to basically order frozen food from top restaurants around the country, maybe world. I don't know. And Mike surprised okay, Mike surprised me on my birthday with some frozen pizzas from New York. I'm obviously down here in Charleston and they are fire. I just ate the last one last night. I'm going to order more, but uh, I'm, I'm also pumped to see what other options are on gold belly. Cause it's a great concept. Like, do they have dumplings on there? Oh, they have. Oh, yeah. it was funny. Corey, he also Corey on your birthday. Said, Why don't you get Dan some gold belly? And I was like, great minds think alike, man. I literally just ordered a couple hours to call for him. So honestly, like it was, it was the best gift. It was, I mean, I, those pizzas are insane. I was surprised. I've never been on the receiving end of that. So I was very curious to hear, and I'm glad to know that the quality was top notch. You would think 
they wouldn't be in existence otherwise, right? A company you know, creatures that. What's funny is I hear that it's better on it's better on gold, gold belly than it is in real life. So I've had Giordano's and Luminati's and all of them, and I don't love them. But everyone says that when you get it on gold belly and you heat it up and you make it like crispy, it's like so much better. So it's really? interesting. They must. Yeah, have I mean, much. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just not like a a Chicago style pizza person, but could just be me. I mean, Corey, I'm with you on that. It's too heavy. I'm Chicago pizza to me. It's like, I'm not, if I want to go into that realm, I'm not eating pizza. That's like a Thanksgiving meal and then some Chicago. Pizza. Oh, yeah. If you my rule of thumb with pizza, guys, if you're using utensils, it's not pizza. Honestly. Yeah, that's, that's a good different. rule. Right? Yeah, it's a great rule of thumb. There we go. So, you know, I think we all can agree with the New York pizza. Paul's actually crushing a pizza right now. And it's it's you know he doesn't need silverware because it's New York pizza. Yeah, and that and on that topic, that's actually what I had for dinner last night. I uh, mm -hmm. I ordered a pizza as well, so nothing interesting, but it was it was great. There we go. I love it. I did not. Yeah, I really have nothing interesting to report on the food front. I did not. I, I went. I had a weird day at meeting yesterday. It was kind of like I felt like our mother Dan with the grazing, with the just kind of picking at things randomly. I didn't really, it wasn't a normal Sunday for me for some reason. But no, I actually, I went with Paul. I went to, uh, Paul's girlfriend had us over. We had some Chinese. So they ordered some dominant Chinese food and crushed it and uh, vegetable dumplings. So we got all that in. But then I went to town and got some late night, like grocery snacks and stuff. Wheat thins, some chocolate, whipped cream to the face, did a whole canister. Like, and he found it. <laughs> oh, canister to the face. Yeah. Nice way to end the weekend. Um, but yeah, what do we got, guys? Dan, I'm sure there's a lot room with current events. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the main thing to discuss, and I honestly have butterflies in my stomach about to even bring this up because I want to make sure... I say the right things and don't use the wrong words, but to dive into it, George Floyd was murdered on May 25th. It's crazy how much things change in the world from week to week when we're doing our podcast. But yeah, to add to what Dan was saying, he was literally, it's, it's this sociology thing, Corey, where you see something happening in a large group and no one acts on it because they think somebody else is going to do something. And that was this, right? And 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 the cop was arrested, and our country has we're having protests, and this is where I want to make sure I say the right things because I don't know what it's like to be an African American in our country. I'm not gonna pretend like I know what it's like. I have no idea what it's like, and. All I could say is I have a ton of empathy for the situation and I stand by though everybody and I stand by the protesters and I understand the ongoing outrage in our country for this incident that seems like it resurfaces itself every few years. It seems like since as long as I could remember and I have a short life, but every few years, this happens and it's so fucked up 
And obviously we need to figure out some sort of answer and it's crazy. And that's, that, that, that's the big thing on here. So, so basically I guess what I'll say is with the protests, it's, it's interesting because obviously there's two things going on right now. And I think it's important to address that you got a lot of peaceful protesters and those people need to be heard and they need to not be overshadowed by what's turning into almost anarchy on the streets. And again, it's so important to separate the two because I don't think it's right that the protesting is being overpowered almost when you're watching the news by cities being destroyed, churches being lit on fire. These things go beyond protesting. And it's interesting because up until this week and really throughout the last few months, I've never really understood the difference. Got cut off there. I, well, Corey, I wanted to bring up your girlfriend brought up a good point on Insta stories I saw earlier. Let's not uh, confuse protesters from looters, right? Yeah. When you think about Absolutely. it, they're two completely different people. There's people protesting peacefully, trying to make a statement, and then there's people doing illegal shit, going to rob stores and screw up small businesses, which is distasteful to say the least. To be exactly. lend yourself into a protest and to just yeah. have a completely different agenda. So that's yeah, that, it impacts the protesters too. It exactly. Yeah, and right, they said that. That's okay. The, On to uh, well, how long was I out there? Although we were just highlighting Dan, that Corey's girlfriend brought up a point to add to what you were saying. She put up on Insta stories. Let's not confuse protesters from looters because exactly people with an ulterior motive here just to cause havoc, wreck havoc, yeah. and not actually protesting anything. They're just doing illegal acts. So and then and that creates exactly because yeah, yeah that creates the protesting. All of that creates people then talking down on rioting. And I understand why people riot. Uh, peaceful riots make sense. They need to be heard. And that's why people are rioting. But yeah, they overshadow that. And then there's more hatred that comes out of that because of their people, you know, lighting things on fire and ruining small businesses. And it, it just stinks. It's a terrible situation. Yeah, the, my thing on this, I'm beyond, I'm very, it's obviously very upsetting. I'm, like you said earlier, Dan, I don't know what it's like to be black, African-American. I don't get it at all. I'm glad I don't get it. I go on a run. The last thing on my mind, I've never worried about a, a cop shooting me. Are you kidding me? I'm worried about running into somebody by being bad with hand-eye coordination. Um, that's the neurotic Jew in me, which is not a problem. So when you really think about it, it what my biggest frustration with this is seeing people posting things like white people on social media with their outrage and just being like something needs to be done here i get it let's figure out what needs to be done instead of just talking and talking and exactly you're off the floor you want to just get attention from your friends that you're empathetic that's bullshit yeah there's Most definitely people there's definitely people posting and sharing things for the absolute wrong reason just to do it, which, you know, not speaking up is, you know, a way of silent protesting, but it, it's good that people are speaking up, but there's definitely people just doing it to do it. And that doesn't equate to the same as actually understanding what's going on and speaking up, and, uh, you know, on behalf of others. 
And at the end of the day, I mean, what upsets me so much is that we're, we have to, the fact that we're even talking about this in the way that we're talking about this, it shows how much the actual protesting has been overshadowed by what appears to be anarchy. And at the end of the day, I'd love to sit here and just have a, a conversation about what happened and how that should be dealt with and how we could somehow figure out a way to just have more unity in our country. But at the end of the day, there's happening that's almost stealing away from the message the protesters are trying to send. And it's like such a careful balance because, you know, I, it's important that people acknowledge happening and that the narrative doesn't uh, anarchists are trying to ruin the country. And that's where like last night, I don't know if maybe I heard about them before and I just didn't really remember and it didn't like store in my brain, but I'm pretty sure last night was the first time I'd ever even heard of Antifa, like this far leftist anarchy group that wants to basically like bring down the country. And now it seems like that's the new narrative and that's where it's just, it's crazy. And it's like an uncomfortable topic because you say one wrong word that you didn't even mean and you get attacked. And I've never seen our country so divided in my life as like this moment right now. It's you crazy. It, but it's been that divided. And that's, I, that's actually to me, the, the bright light here, if there is anything, the silver lining is it's about damn time people actually see that it's so divided. And, you know, I think we were in an era with Obama as president where that was kind of, it was great, our first black president. The issue with that was on the other end, the, the racism kind of got thrown on the back burner. Like, oh, we have a black president now, things are going to be great. Well, I'm not saying that's how a lot of African-Americans felt when Obama was in office. I think a lot of white people felt that way. And I'm not going to generalize this, but I think what's happening now is what's coming to fruition and coming in the spotlight is really what's been going on in our country forever. And I think we'll, there'll be a point where we can read the new Jim Crow book to go over the embedded racism in our society and where it actually comes from. But when we go over, when I hear all these people, white people that are like, we need to stand together here, a hundred percent agree, but let's figure out how we can change the actual stem of this to shift the narrative on the future of, okay, what can we do to have more of an understanding? Even like, Corey, you sent us that uh, footage of that black fellow, that, or actually it was a black woman that was very peaceful and being, uh, to me, very reasonable. And she got arrested almost as like a cop proving a point to a bunch of people that they didn't want anybody peacefully protesting. So yeah. I think there really has to be Unfortunately, I hate to say it, this is going to take surveillance to another level. And it's you know, part of the Catch-22. We're going to need to have 24-7 surveillance on everybody at some which point. Which is just, I mean, yeah, it's true. And that's crazy. And uh, to your point before, Will Smith had a great quote. And he said, uh, racism isn't getting worse. It's just getting taped. So it's just yeah. brought to, it's, you know, been this way for a while. It's just getting brought to more people's I attention because people are filming it. For sure. I, I don't I don't I don't think that more surveillance is the answer. I think and this is clearly like what I'm specifically talking right about right now is the fact that African Americans clearly feel afraid of the police. 
And it's because of these types of incidents that happen. And in my opinion, and I, I was like glued to the news last night, which I don't normally do at all, but it was tough to not be. And I was watching a few interviews and what I kind of gathered from this was there's almost no responsibility or accountability in a lot. And again, it's so important to acknowledge that I don't think police officers are bad people. And I don't, I'm not going to say that at all in any industry. You have good people and you have bad people and it's no different. It's no different with, with police. And I think it's really dangerous to create a narrative that all policemen are bad. Now in saying that, I think that based on the way a lot of these situations get handled, it does feel like that the police officer who murdered this guy was he had 22 other reports about him mistreating people. And I asked myself, and there was a CNN reporter that interviewed in live uh, time last night, the head of the police department who makes these decisions. And he was also African-American and she was grilling him. She was like, how is this guy not fired? And he was like kind of you know deflecting it a little bit while kind of agreeing with her. But that's the issue is for a policeman to not, fear that if he handles a situation remotely wrong, he's going to have the book thrown at him or her. That, that to me is where it starts. There needs to be more accountability in the actual police force where people don't feel like they're above the law. And it, it seems like that's kind of how it is right now. And that's where the problem needs to start. In my, I opinion. think there's too many bottlenecks with the bureaucracies locally. They need to have policies nationwide blanketed. I don't give a shit if you're in Washington, Oregon, people are people. There's going to be issues that pop up. They all should be handled the exact same way when it comes to somebody having a gun on them or being suffocated. It, I get things happen, but no matter where you are in the country, to me, the biggest problem here, there's way too much red tape over decision-making and interpretation. And when something happens, how long it takes, when a family of a victim is waiting weeks and months to figure out if a guy is guilty when he's a murderer, it's bullshit. That's the, my biggest issue here. They have way too many one-off power control issues going on, where you have chief of police in a town in Minnesota doing something completely different than a force in Scottsdale, Arizona, that doesn't work. That you need to have an ongoing synergy, in my opinion, with this specifically. This should not be one off. And I get it, like when you looked at Corona, each state had to be handled differently based on population and demographics. This is not like yeah. that. This, right. this is a human being. So we can play with that. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys ever seen the wire, but it's like it's kind of spot on in the way the police force is handled in terms of the people who are actually in charge and not the officers on the ground. And there's a lot of corruption up top, you know, like in every business, but especially in police force. And it's just crazy. I don't know. I saw a video where um, I don't know what city it was, but basically it was a peaceful protest and all the cops just kneeled and everyone was just peaceful and they agreed with each other. And I don't understand why, they just don't do that everywhere. It's like, you know, things are going to get crazy. Why not just stand down, show that you're with one another and that's it. I, I think because it, a lot of it depends on the police force, right? When you think about the people, the leadership within those police forces where you have certain people with agendas and egos, and that needs to be thrown to the wayside where that shouldn't even be in their hands. 
That, yeah. That's really where I'm at with that. I think they need to figure and, out more of a nationwide protocol with policing and not leave this up to city by city with, with the accountability of arrest. Yeah. And, and I mean, and to add to that, I got to throw this out there. It's, and again, I don't want to take away from that actual event that happened, but I do need to say that last night watching. That there must, they must be uh, getting to the internet down there in Charleston. Seriously. But I don't know if it was, I don't know if you took a walk down in like union square, but the police cars, I mean, there's just, I mean, everything was just completely vandalized, but there's pictures of police cars, Foot Locker, Adidas, all the stores. Oh, yeah. just, the pictures, though, were just crazy. Sorry, on my way, I was walking from Chelsea to Greenwich Village last night back to Paul's, and I've never seen so many police vehicles in my life. In yeah. That, like, like a half an hour, it was insane. Like everywhere, private, public, vans, cars, choppers. Yeah. It was wild. So many helicopters. And, and what I was going to say is, like, and this is, again, where it's such a delicate topic, but when I'm sitting there watching the church get almost burned to the ground that all the different presidents have taken their families to throughout, like, the beginning of our country. Yeah, it's, it's devastating. I mean, it's crazy that there has to be so much violence to just raise awareness about an ongoing issue that's been here for hundreds and hundreds of years <laughs> it's, it's yeah, just we need to just the fundamentals of this need to be completely done differently like that's the when we go over i get everyone's outraged as i mean i don't understand the level for good reason in white I, I can't even fathom what i would be feeling like if this was to happen if i was black i have no idea but i yeah. do know that the way this is set up is broken the system and I, I'm glad everyone's pissed off about it, but things have to change from the bottom up with this. This is a, a foundational embedded thing. It's not just a, we can uh, create an initiative where Black yeah. Lives Matter. We need to do something way beyond that. And I don't know what that is, but I think it starts with not bottlenecking individual police forces. We need to have more of parity with ongoing communication and what's instilled. Everywhere. And, and I just want to say this real quick before I cut off. So hopefully you guys can talk about it because clearly my shit's all fucked up. But the controversy that I was going to bring up was at what point when cities are being destroyed, is there some sort of retaliation? Like, I understand that it's such a delicate topic, but when you have people throwing gas bottles and lighting churches on fire and destroying retail shops, like at what point is there does something happen? Like how long is that allowed? When you say retaliation in terms of what police like force force, what are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that's, I, happened. I, that's happened. No, well, it's happened to an extent with like rubber bullets. It hasn't really happened, and like they haven't put a stop to it. Like at the end of the day, our country is being vandalized right now by i think people who aren't even related to the protest and again so controversial but what do we like uh, what, well, what's the looter, like we were talking about earlier there's a difference between a protester and a looter right a protester is trying to get a point across 
don't get me wrong, there's violent protests that have happened in the past, but from mostly what we've seen, even in New York yesterday, uh, last couple of days, even walking, talking to some of these protesters, they were peaceful. I saw 20,000 people walking by, no violence, of course. no even, I did not even have any inkling of being fearful throughout that entire thing. But then when you see the broken glass, people throwing shit, those aren't protest. They're not protesting. They're just yeah, and, angry people that, and don't, you know, part of it, people have been locked down for months. There's clearly a lot of, you know, cooped up energy and yeah. not as an excuse. It definitely doesn't help. When I'll no be honest. Last, Monday morning, they're just sitting around. Last night was the first time in my life after you sent us that text of what Antifa tweeted. And then I went to try and find them and it was obviously like their whole organization was taken down. I was truly afraid that like maybe people were going to come and like burn down my apartment complex or just like cause mayhem outside of businesses. It's the first time in my life. I was like sitting on the couch, almost like imagining that I was like hearing things outside. I, I was terrified. And I don't know if I, 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 you know, smoked a little weed for the first time in a few days and I was like actually a little paranoid, but I, I was genuinely terrified for the first time in my life sitting on my couch. And again, I'm not in like a secure high rise in New York. I'm in like an accessible building. And I, I was afraid because I just don't know like what angle or what turn it takes. And that's a scary, scary feeling that I've never had to feel. And I don't know if yep. you guys felt that at all. I, I really did feel that way. And, um, I feel like I'm in the Upper East Side. I feel like it's predominantly white, but going up, um, you know, it, it merges with it's all kinds of cultures and there's, but the riots are over here. And I did feel like, I don't know. I, I'm also not in a secure building. I have a backyard. It's open. I, I was a little, uh, and all I hear is helicopters, police sirens. I was kind of afraid as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think part of it too is, uh, the unknowns with, I think, going from this pandemic where we've been locked down for the first time in our lives for so long, which will never happen again in any of our lifetimes, what just happened. Uh, and then you see this, there's just a lot of anxiety. And, you know, <laughs> you couldn't, obviously, you can't control any of these things popping up. But it seems like we've gotten off to quite a rocky 2020. And yeah, it uh, the country is in you know, it's battered right now. It's fucked. And I'm glad we have uh, Ed Jarvis here to kind of take things off and, and go a different route from oh, this. There he is. The legend himself, Edward Cookie Jarvis. What's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Pretty good. Thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? This chaos unfold, and I just don't understand why people are going so crazy. And I feel like this is all a political bunch of BS. I know, man. Where are you in New York right now? Yeah, I'm in New York. So, yeah, you've been seeing, we were just talking about that. It's been uh, one thing after another from Corona to these protests. I mean, what do you make of this whole thing? Uh, come on, let's call it what it is. Everybody's mad at Trump, and this is a way to just try to get him out of, of, of auction, out of uh, circulation. And at the end of the day, nobody wants to vote for Biden because he has been. Uh, hey, man, you took the words right out of my mouth, personally. I've been thinking a lot of those things myself with all this brewing. Um, but yeah, man, you know. I, 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 you, know I, you, remember, you remember when Obama got in the second time? Do you remember the same thing going on? No. 
the same chaos was going on. The sad part is Soros is funding all this nonsense again. It's uh, it's the world order. That's what's so frustrating to me is not really understanding how that works at the top, where it's just run by it seems like a few behemoths with the narratives. When when you want something and you got endless money, I guess you can do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, it's not going to change the facts that the other guy's not a great candidate. And you know, it's like John McCain. He wasn't a bad guy, but he just wasn't. A, he was a horrible candidate. Yeah. So hey. wait, wait, which which organization did you say is funding this? Soros, which is the Democrats. Soros. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that for sure. When you look in New York, Bill Clinton's daughter, Bill Clinton's daughter is married to his son-in-law, his son. Yeah, and Hillary Clinton is testifying this week, so it is interesting when you connect a lot of these dots. There's no let's doubt. Call, let's call it what it is. You know what? Yeah. Hey, I, I like the and then all of a sudden it's the coronavirus, which was funded to this particular organization by Obama and Clinton. Now it's, an, now it's, uh, you know, something else. It's like, guys, you know, we all got to go back to work. I don't know what everybody else is doing, but I got to go back to work. If I, I'm going to pay my bills, this country, you know, we all got to pay, yeah. we all got to work. That, that's really what this comes down to. It's like get, people need to be out and about and back at it. And it seems like the everything's been held back. Politic, politics has been, is, is way too strong at this moment and yeah. with too much power. And at the end of the day, this is the way people are fighting back. But at the same time, it's not a good thing because really, look, what happened in that incident was not necessary. It was stupidness. But to loot stores and all these places has nothing to do with the other thing. It's just an excuse to do mayhem for no reason. It's true, but we were saying before, there's a lot of looters that aren't protesters and, um, you know, well, that are, that are they're crossing also, that line. They're also, what you don't realize is they're all paid by the, by the opposite party of Trump. And they're, not only that, but they're also, you know, getting bailed out by the Democratic Party. Yeah. Is that I mean, actually true? I mean, that's such a hot take. And I've been hearing a lot of people say I, it. I was, told, I was told Joe Biden was bailing people out. I'm like, I, I don't understand that. I mean, like, that's really not a bright move. I mean, we heard about these things back in the Trump in 2016 with a, a bunch of people at his rallies that were not actually doing anything except planted there. So there's been a ton of that stuff going on for sure. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure at the end of the day, you know, let's face it. China doesn't want Trump because at the end of the day, they're afraid of him. He's already caused a lot of havoc in China. Guess what? Right now, they're making a lot of money because they're making all these products. But at the same time, they're getting all these tariffs. So at the end of the day, let's call a spade a spade. You don't like it, but guess what? You, you, you have to deal with him. Yeah, I, there's no doubt it's ironic the timing go in an election year with what's coming up. It's just been wild, the chain of events. And it's unfortunate that politics are how they are these things because it, it doesn't well, fit the, well with anyone the problem is we're, de we're dealing with all the havoc <laughs> you know who's dealing with all the havoc you know they're playing golf but edward man i gotta talk to you we gotta you come to mind i immediately feel like crushing dumplings let's get into food here or <laughs> i used to watch dude you're like one of my heroes from back in the day i used to watch the nathan hot dog eating contest all the time when you hit me up on facebook it made my week I was like, this is incredible. And dude, we're all we're in the food business. We're all I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you I'm gonna show you the trophy. The trophy oh, man. Wall. There we nice. go. 
This yes. is awesome. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh nice. Take our mind yeah, off this crazy world. Yeah, that is insane. insane. Hey, this is the, my happy place now, the food kingdom. So Ed, wow, this is all competitive. This is all competitive eating trophies. For for those at home. Wow. Ed, how many are there there? There's 38 world number one titles, and then there's like God knows how many second place. Wow, man. So Ed, take us through. Take us through the rundown, man. Like as it is, some people want to be astronauts. Some want to be professional basketball players. Did you want to be a competitive eater as a kid? When I first, when I, when I was, uh, first time I seen a competitive or not was Ben's a bowl eating competition in uh, 2000. And my wife's like, wow, you should try that out next year when that comes up. It's an annual contest. So they give you a $25 gift certificate. You give them $25. So you're already even for Ben's Deli. And they give you two Islander tickets, which turn out to be $75 a piece. So you're like, this is a no-brainer. All okay. the money goes to charity. So I go try it out. I have my friend tape me because I don't know what I'm even going to look like, right? Because I never ate professionally or at any kind. I was always eating fast. I just never taped myself. <laughs> so I had him film me. I lost to this guy next to me who was in three or four years before. And I said, you know what? I could beat that guy. He has the record. I'm beating him. So I went back and I created a technique of how to eat him. And I came back and got into the qualifier. And in the finals, I beat him. I tied the world record. I lost to some other guy who turned out, you know, they kind of did a little underhanded move and pulled the plates away. And what happened was in his plate was a lot of debris. So that cost me $2,500. Oh. So <laughs> I, I'm sitting at the contest, and some guy walks up in a corncob hat. and His name was George Shane. He says, hey, kid, do you have an agent? I go, well, an agent for eating? He goes, I go, they actually have such a thing? He goes, yeah, I'd be your agent. Sign me up, dude. I'm in. Wow. wow. Shortly, after, shortly after I won the pizza eating competition, I had a full 17-inch pie in three minutes. And then, <laughs> and then shortly after, I won something else. And then it's funny because I get a call from Playboy. And Playboy says, hey, we want to do an article on you. And I said, what does that mean exactly? Because I'm going to have to explain this to my wife. And the guy's like, no, 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 not that kind of article. I said, you said a two-page spread. I just want to confirm what that means. <laughs> so he says, uh, no, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to do a, an eating expose. So we'll have like one page of article and one page of picture. I'm like, cool. Where, where do I do it? He says, oh, we're going to fly up to Chicago to the headquarters. I got to tell you, that was like awesome. Well, what's like in there? Every, every girl is like a model. Every secretary is like a model. It's oh, like unbelievable. Yeah. It's like every wow. guy's dream to go to the I just wanted to go to the cyber party. I'm like, can I get in the cyber party? So yeah, the, uh, that was pretty cool. But then uh, from there, I won, I don't know how many contests, I think 13 in a row from that point on. Wow. Great story about the Playboy. Yeah. <laughs> That's hysterical. Ed's the man. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Wow. Well, yeah, I I remember about Ed's uh, dumpling voyage, the 91 dumplings in eight minutes, because I talk about. I don't know how that's possible. That's insane. Like, I couldn't even, I want to know how they're laid out. I couldn't open containers that fast. Like, is it, and are we talking gyoza, shumai? Like, what are we, what is this? I know. I mean, shumai, I feel like I can eat like 30 or 40. Right? I, I really want to know how many dumplings I can house, Corey, in like 24. Yeah. Because I definitely can eat a lot. I eat very quick, but. No. That's why I get all that indigestion. 
Yeah, me too. It's uh, heartburn, indigestion, all that. It's such Jewish genes. <laughs> yeah. There's not Ed, can be quick in a short period of time. There he is. So, Ed, right. tell me, what's been your favorite of all time? What was your favorite competition? I got to say, I always loved the cannoli eating competition at St. Gennaro's because being Italian, that was kind of like my heritage. Yeah. So, I have the three-time cannoli three-time cannoli eating champ. Although I got to say it was the hardest one because those shells are brutal. And the next day you like, your mouth hurts for like a week. Well, and and just, uh, a few people have lost a tooth. What's it like, after competition? like, are you not able to eat for a week after that? Like when can you eat a normal meal after one of those things? The, the same day. Really? Same day. Wow. You, you just made me think of, after I would get done with Nathan's, believe it or not, I would go. I would go. I would go to a barbecue, so it wasn't an issue. <laughs> what? And you were hungry? Always. Wow, Always. you're my hero. How do you? So what do you? So you have the second stomach for dessert, clearly. That's like a thing. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it was funny because I went the one time to the Lone Star State, and they get this uh, Texas chicken fried steak. So the guy says, you know, what are you going to do after the contest? You know, you just ate like six or eight of these 12 ounce steaks. I go, I was thinking having dessert, like, you know, brownie sundae with like hot fudge and toppings. And the guy looks at me and goes, are you kidding? I go, no, I was thinking you bring it to me now. And he's like, oh, okay. So they, <laughs> they film me eating dessert after. So Ed, you were, I was going to ask. Like, you, it wouldn't be dinner without dessert. Seriously. So you, uh, you strike me as a guy that you've elapsed the time frame and still been hungry with some of these competitions where you're like, bring it on. That's it. Oh, yeah. No, like, like at Nathan's, it wasn't that I was full when I was done. I just ran out of time. So have you ever, have there been any, like, marathon? Like, there was, I mean, think about it. The wing bowl is like a 30-minute contest. It's 14 minutes, 14 minutes, and two minutes. I think I did a total of 270 chicken wings. Oh. The sad part is, like, in practice, I think I did 300. I did wow. 300 chicken wings in practice. Do you just get like the yips? Like the like, what makes you eat less during the actual competition? Just nothing. Just nothing. Just is what you it just is. Keep going. You just gotta keep forcing through it. Never think about it. Just go through it. Sometimes and, and, I what? speed up at the end. Sometimes you're not. Depending, like in the middle. Sometimes you're when you're eating something like a chicken wing, what's it the depends method? on where you are. I don't feel like I ever pace myself that really that often. I always went kind of all in. In fact, right. one time I think I paced myself because I had eaten eight pounds of pasta in 10 minutes. And I think when I got to about eight, eight minutes, I was like three pounds ahead of the next guy. And I'm like, why am I killing myself? Because I got to eat in a few hours. Oh, my God. Well, Ed, when you eat about the cookie nickname. Damn, he has so many interesting stories. I just I want to this. So many questions for him. Right I, I could see Dan how a, a presence on there for a long time. Yeah, Dan had a good point. He's he looks very skinny. I want to ask him, um, you know, how much late he. I, I saw when he retired, he was five hundred twenty-five pounds. When he started, he was three hundred twenty-five. I think. Ed, Ed, they were just talking about how fit you look since retirement. When, when I when I first got in, I was three fifty-five. When 355. I got out, it was five twenty-five. So I was just wow. reading that. Uh, where where are you now? Two ninety-six. Wow. Great. Is that, but did you change your, I'm shooting for two sixty two five. Actually, that'll be 50% of what I used to weigh. So it's like losing a twin. 
It's crazy. So wait, someone with such a big appetite, how, what do you do to, lo uh, to lose weight? What's your, do you diet? Do you just change your habits? I, I definitely went on a diet and, you know, you got to change habits. I also up my exercise, you know, at the end of the day, you know, one without the other is, you know, defeats the whole purpose. If you eat too much, you're going to gain weight. It doesn't matter how much you work out because the sad part is you can eat so much more and so quick. In five minutes, what I can eat is calories for people eating in a week. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you there. So you know, when I did the cannolis, I would have almost 16,000 calories in literally six minutes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is so <laughs> That's amazing. Plus, and you plus just, six cups of black plus six cups of black coffee. And you got you got me. Well, that's what thirty calories. <laughs> yeah, I did a I did a twenty pound watermelon in six minutes. Oh my god! Wow, I love hearing only twenty that. pound watermelon. So like calories on that? I can't even imagine what the calories on a twenty pound watermelon. Are. Oh my I, god! Do I, where did the cooking nickname stem from? Actually, you know the cereal Cookie Crisp? Yeah. Yeah. The little wizard on the box was Cookie Jarvis. Really? By default, <laughs> when in first grade, my last name was Jarvis. Everybody used to call me Cookie. So then at some point, like when I got older, like 18, I became the Cookie Monster. And I had a Cookie Monster costume. And I used to go around doing all the Halloween parties. And then I started doing kids parties at like Ground Round. Ah, so Cookie became... So when I was like 21. Cookie came before my character. the... So that came before the competitive. Yeah, long before the. So have you been in a further before you? Have I what? Have you ever been in a cookie eating contest? The last. Oh yeah, I did. Actually, I did a little demo for them on the news, and I did uh, forty-four double stuffs in uh, four minutes with six <laughs> cups of coffee. So I, what would you recommend? So that's like a package in two thirds. Wow. <laughs> What's the secret? Double stuffed Oreos. You know, I don't recommend mean? anybody try to do what I do. Yeah, double stuff Oreos. I did. I did. Oh, I could five rows. Five rows, four minutes. Oh my god! Hey, now I'm. Yeah, I'm so a that, that, like that's that. two and two and two thirds packs. Now hey, what, I did ninety-one dumplings in what was it? Six minutes. I that, think that's what we want to talk about. Ninety-one dumplings eight minutes. You you should have tried. You should have tried the Russian palmenis. They were two hundred and sixty-three in six minutes. That's Whoa. crazy. So Ed, yeah. we're, we're talking about dumplings. Were they steamed? Were they fried? Were they pan seared? What, are they steamed? They were steamed. What kind? Steamed. Yeah, Chinatown dumpling competition. Were they, they were, uh, vegetable? Vegetable. Oh, vegetable. I, I I feel like I could have come right behind you. So so what, what what's your yeah. method for that? <laughs> how, how do you take down ninety one dumplings? Is it do you do the whole dip? Like, you know, honestly, dip it was really water method. It was just eat them quick. Just you eat them get quick. them down. Get them gone. There's no, no strategy because dumplings is really no strategy. It's not like you can mix them with a condiment or whatever. It's just a matter of getting them down really quick. And most of the food, you know, I hate to say it. Most people can eat. So there's a lot of people that can eat a lot of food, but there's not a lot of people that can eat quick. Mm. I'm a quick eater. I, uh, I struggle with that. Me too. Um, hey, do they have any marathon competitions where it's like, how many can you eat in 24 hours? Because I think that would be more my jam. Ed, have you seen any like marathon eating competitions that are like 24 hour all you can eat? Yeah. I also want to know if Ed um, ever got kicked out of a buffet before. Wow. That's a great question. <laughs> you would think so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a common thing with a lot of these professional eaters. If not, like that's a great YouTube video. 
just send Ed into a buffet, see what happens. Seriously, all you can eat buffet, and it's yeah, he's had quite a run. I mean, that is a stellar record right there of food. I mean, he'll definitely be the world record holder forever, you would think, of most titles. Yeah, what's crazy? It looks like his career was only five years. Wow, and he's kind of like a very yeah, he was a quick hitter. I like Went that. In, he did damage. So, Ed, we were wondering, have you ever – you hear it now? All right. There we go. Have you ever, yeah, uh, have you ever got kicked out of an all-you-can-eat buffet? I got kicked out a couple of times, actually. I went to this one. It was called the East Buffet. So I set up for lunch one time. I was getting ready for Nathan's, and I set up 16 one-pound plates. And so the, the owner comes over and he's like looking at the table and there's like 16 plates, which pretty much takes up almost the whole table. And there's six cups of water, like, you know, 20, 20 ounce cups of water. And he's like, what's, what's, uh, you know, like, who's going to do that? And they're like, well, at the end of the day, you know, I was coming to practice. He goes, practice for what? I go eating competition. He says, uh, how long is it going to take you? I said, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. He goes, I give you 20 minutes. Okay. 15 minutes, I ate, I ate all 16 plates, and he paid me and he paid me $20 to leave and never come back. Wow. That is a feat right there. That's when you know you are a competitive eater, when a buffet owner is paying you to leave. No, you know what's even more funny is when your picture is behind the counter like Crime Stoppers and there's a cross for you, like, don't come back. <laughs> they actually have that? I, I, was on, I was on with John Walsh. I said to John Walsh, I said, you know, when they see me coming to a buffet, they call Crime Stoppers. Wow, that's remarkable, man. So, Ed, what if you what go, you if you go on my video page, you could see the John Walsh episode. Uh -huh. I told him it was hysterical. Got to check that out. Yeah. So, Ed, what do you do post retirement life? Now, I know you're in the home game. What, like, food wise, though, what are you doing for a normal meal? Like, does your wife eat dinner with you and you eat normally, or are you eating? Yeah. Like yeah. No, those days, those days are over. Like I said, I dropped the uh, since Thanksgiving. I dropped 103 pounds. So. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm heading, I'm heading down. I got to get another 30 pounds. I've been slacking. My wife was uh, not well for a couple of weeks over this last, uh, you know, coronavirus. So that was not fun. So she was hospitalized. And Is she better? Back to normal. Yeah, she's better. Thank God. She's home today, actually. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I had that too. It was uh, no fun at all. Actually didn't eat for like 12 days. It's brutal. Yeah, it's, it's challenging. Like I, I, for me to eat, for not, for not eat for 12 days would be great. I would probably drop 10 pounds. <laughs> um so we had a live question someone wanted to know if you've ever did any uh sushi eating contests uh no contest a lot of sushi though but no contest no contest but i've i've eaten like uh 120 pieces in 10 minutes hey what's your favorite non-competitive eating like your what's your favorite go-to meal you know the funny part is i used to love going to jnr steakhouse uh -huh. they had a 76 they had a 76 ounce steak so I ate a 76-ounce steak, a baked potato, an order of cream of spinach, and a 32-ounce picture of beer in seven and a half minutes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's wow. freaking insane. 76? I mean – I think that was probably one of my favorite meals. Although I did I did enjoy going to uh, Oregon to the Chinook Winds uh, Hotel and Casino, uh, the Indian Reservation, and I did like uh, 10 pounds of ribs there. Ooh. Whoa. Honestly, you're just make, you're making me so hungry. <laughs> I know. So, uh, how, what led to your retirement? So, I saw your you you had a short career, it, it, a lot of Marvel. Yeah, I, I was in from like 2001 to 2007, and um, 
my wife had made me a bet that if I finished uh, my jacket with all my titles, that I would retire, which I didn't think I would get to that quickly, to be honest with you. So when I, I promised her I would do it, and I did it. And uh, But, you know, it's funny because last year I was in a little demo with Kobayashi, and I did 49 clams shucked in a minute. Kobayashi did 50. Oh, just edged me out. Wow. That is remarkable. And I'm like, 49 big clams. That's a lot of clams for a minute. Oh, man. We need to get you and Kobayashi on here do a live contest. <laughs> That's yeah, my contest. My contest days are over. Days are over. I'm trying to behave yeah. myself. What's the community? What's the community like? Like with the other doing, competitors? I'm doing, uh, coaching. If anybody wants coaching. Oh, absolutely! I want to be in a dumpling eating contest. Ed, can you be my mentor? You know, you know the funny part is, like, I haven't seen one since that contest. And I got to tell you, you know, like, did you see the video of me on Jay Leno when I did the mayonnaise? I did. So it was funny because I'm on with Snoop Dogg and Simon Cowell. I eat two pounds of mayonnaise. I walk to the back and Simon Cowell <laughs> and Snoop Dogg are like there with the posse. And they're like, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I was thinking of a couple of cans of tuna and a couple of slices of rye and jumping around a little. And I'm like, we need, we need this guy. He's got serious issues. Snoop Dogg must have loved that. I can't even imagine. Snoop Dogg was, Snoop Dogg was off the hook. He was like, dude, we need you. You, you would fit right in with the posse. <laughs> Unbelievable. That those guys would get you the munchies, that's for sure. Oh uh, yeah, they'd be munchy in their life. Oh man. So Ed, what would you say last meal on earth? Death row meal, what is it? Uh, I gotta tell you, I always love a good chicken palm with eggplant on it. Wow, chicken but, palm but with the, eggplant on it. My kind of guy. I usually get those but, separate orders. No, you put you put the eggplant palm over the chicken palm. It's like a double delicious meal. Wow, with a side of asparagus. Wow, how about any dessert? Uh, personally, my favorite dessert is always a, you know, a brownie or with ice cream on it. So it's a, it's not a cookie. So even though no, you no have put your nickname at. Yeah, cookies, cookies. I love them, but you know they're not my favorite for dessert. Add brownie jar. Look, there's there's nothing like a jelly donut. That's for granulated sugar or powder. You know, uh, powder. But it was funny because the other day I was watching this thing and it was a picture of Al Pacino. And he was like, it had like a whole bunch of donuts in front of him. He's like, come to my little friend. You know, like, like for heat. <laughs> I was like, that's perfect. Man, Ed, we gotta, I'd love to grab a bite with you when the dust settles on all this, man. Next time. Oh, uh, yeah. Soon. You know, the funny part is you have, a, you have a, when the Carnegie Deli was open, they had this great sandwich. It was three and a half pounds. So there were, before I ate the sandwich, there was like two guys that had finished the sandwich. It was one three and a half pound sandwich, corned beef, pastrami, Swiss, coleslaw, Russian dressing with rye bread. And if you finish the first sandwich and you finish the second one, it was both for free. Whoa. So I finished the first sandwich in about 10 minutes. Oh second sandwich took me an additional 15 minutes. I finished both sandwiches, which there's only like about six people in the whole world that have ever finished that sandwich. Kobayashi being one of them. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people are probably wondering this, or maybe it's just me. What, what's the bowel movement situation after doing some of these competitions? Well, like, the nat is it the just... nature of the beast? You can't, yeah, do, yeah. You, know, you can't do one without the other. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy says, you know, I used to be a race car driver, 16 point harness, baby. 
<laughs> uh, Ed, do you do any stand-up comedy? No, my friends used to always tell me you should do stand-up. I said I prefer to sit down. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get <laughs> I, I used to love, you know, I used to love going to comedy clubs. In fact, I've met a lot of the really greats. You know, I, I was lucky enough to meet Louis Anderson, and I was lucky to meet, uh, you know, Rodney Dangerfield. And Rodney Dangerfield was a pretty funny guy. And uh, you know, I used to—I don't know if I could tell a jo tell this joke online. Is, I, oh, go for is, it. Is, is, is it censored? So yeah, the guy says, the guy says, "Look, I have—I haven't—I've been on getting divorced for like three years. I haven't had sex." So he says, "Well, you go to this girl named Mary Lou. She lives over by the marina." Great. So he gets a number, he gets the address, he goes to the place, he knocks on the door, and this beautiful redhead walks up to the door, and he says, wow, beautiful. Are you Mary Lou? She says, yeah, my name is Mary Lou. He says, how much do you charge for a hand job? She says, 500 bucks. She goes, wow, 500 bucks? He goes, well, I guess it's been three years since I've had any sex. I guess 500 bucks ain't bad. So he goes and he gets his hand job. He comes out. He's like, oh, no, before that, she goes, you know, you see the red Porsche in the first uh, cost slip? He goes, that I bought cash because I'm the best. He goes, look, I'm not arguing with you. So he goes in, gets it, comes out next day, thinking, wow, she'd probably give an amazing blowjob. So he goes, goes back, knocks on the door, Mary Lou, you know, how much would you charge for a blowjob? She says, $1,000. He goes, $1,000. She goes, you see the red car? She said, you see in the third boat slip? He goes, that 70-foot yacht? She goes, that I bought cash because I'm the best? He goes, oh, my God, that's unbelievable. Gives it a 1000 goes in thinking, I think I would give it 3000 to sleep with her. That's how amazing it was. So he goes back like two days later. Says, I'll give you three thousand to sleep with you. She says, You see the red car, and in the in the back is the boat. She goes, You see that island in the back? He goes, Yeah, you bought that island cash? She said, If I had a pussy, I could have bought that island cash. It's oh. <laughs> a great punchline. Look at um, that. Boom. boom, baby. Ed Jarvis, for all of our listeners, holds the world record most food titles in competitive eating history. I don't see that record ever being broken. He's the man. Ed, thanks so much for joining us and uh, pumped to break. Oh, you come on. Send me. Yeah, like I said, give me a holler. I'm always available. Thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, I mean, thanks a lot, Ed. Appreciate enjoy. your time. Enjoy. Send, send me your copy. I'll check it out. Oh, well Absolutely. done. For sure. Thanks, That's buddy. That's Ed Cookie Jarvis, guys. That Quite a character. And, you know, I could see how he was such a beast, though, in the food world. He has that all-in mentality, right? We always talk about to do great things. You need that. And you could tell he has that intensity and real cool and funny guy. Yeah, very yeah, funny guy. Hilarious. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he's a lot. Of, I didn't obviously I didn't know much about him, but he was a lot funnier than I expected. He had a lot of hot yeah. takes, kind of just went with the flow. And um, yeah, I also saw he's a cancer survivor. So shout out, Ed. I was um, going to, that's what I was going to, I was going to actually ask because, but I just couldn't because my internet was so bad. If that had something to do with why he stopped doing it or like when, when on the timeline, it's funny. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think the two were uh, connected. Two weren't connected. Did you guys get into the ice cream thing? Because I was just looking at his Wikipedia page and it looked like he's most known for the ice cream eating contest. I don't know if you guys no. brought that I, we missed that. We didn't get into that, but I am so excited to go watch. Oh, he's back. Is he he's back? back. Yeah. Yeah. We got a couple more questions, Ed. You still there? S stay on with us, Ed. You still there? I think it's Mike. I can oh, he's here. He's back. There you go. All right. We got more questions. Yeah. So, you know, also, I, I run a lot of autism events. So, uh, you know, we help about 4,000 families in Nassau and Suffolk County here in Long Island. So, 
I'm a big advocate for, uh, you know, families with children with autism because it's a very big thing. You know, we don't realize how many people are affected by it. Um, Ed, have, so I'm actually hoping that in the next few months I'll become the president. Of... Ed, have you ever heard of uh, T-Off for autism in Long Island? No. That's, no, that um, sounds familiar, but no. My, my cousin uh, runs that. Her my, my other cousin is uh, autistic, and um, they started that. And it's, it's a golf event every oh, okay. July for autism, but it's in Long Island. I think they're from oh, I, America. I, 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 I think I did hear about it, actually. Yeah, so I just figured I was Yeah, connect me with them. I'm always interested in events. Absolutely, we will do. Um, but Dan had a good question. Yeah, we wanted to know more about yeah. the, uh, the ice cream competition. The ice Sounds cream like competition it. was pretty funny, actually, because when I got there, you know, I said to them originally before I got there, can I bring my own spoon? And they said, sure, why not? <laughs> we'll sanction your spoon. So I got an ice cream scooper. And when I got there, everybody's like scrambling to get a spoon. But because I was prepared, they were like, oh, look at that spoon. <laughs> so that's actually <laughs> the same spoon that I used on Leno to do the mayonnaise eating competition. Oh, wow. Damn, that's awesome. When I did a two-pound jar of mayonnaise in 35 seconds. <laughs> what about the brain freeze, though? I mean, I can't eat more so than being two. Being prepared scoop. for everything has a, you know, it's like racing cars. You know, it's like uh, drinking beer. There's always something that has to be part of the equation as far as how the technique is going to be. Right. So yeah, how, how do you? Steak, I asked them for uh, hot. Everything, everything has a little different twist. You know, some foods are different. Mm. So wait, say it again. How'd you prepare for the ice cream contest? So the, um, yeah, so sometimes, you know, every food has a challenge. So you got to figure out what the easiest way to get it down is. So when, when something like a brain freeze Kobayashi, that, Dan, so, that Dan was saying, when you, like, how do you no avoid brain, that? No brain freeze? There's, there's, no, there's no brain freeze because you take the spoon, you shovel it upside down. And then that way, the top of your mouth doesn't get any ice cream. And that's how you get the poison. Wow. Mm. No shit. Really? Look at that. You know something? That, that's interesting. I always thought that it was from eating too fast. Yeah, that's a very interesting tip I had right there. That's a seasoned veteran. Right there, that's a competitive eating tip no one would have ever known about, I feel like. Yeah, I think I have to try that later now. It's funny because I always, I always heard if you like have brain freeze and you like press up on, I think like the like your gum, it goes away. I don't know if that's true, but that's I've wild. never even had a brain freeze to be honest with you. Oh man, I've had what? plenty. No, hey, you just must <laughs> not eat with the top of your mouth. <laughs> no, I, I just I think I'm immune to brain freezes. It's one of the first. <laughs> Mike, you need to enter an ice cream eating contest. I, I think I might have to. That's one thing that goes down very easy for me. Mike, how did this guy discover you or us? Through us, Chris Cincielli and Sean. Through their oh, gotcha. Yeah, cool. he's in their whole. Thing. I mean, I, I can see he's trying to get back connected here. So that was uh, he had a hot take there on the uh, the protesting stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I know I know a lot of people are saying that it's. Uh, it's funny because it's kind of like what you said, Mike. I just don't understand how the different layers of the system work where people of power could like hire people. Money goes away at the top. Let's put it that yeah. way. When you have billions and billions of dollars. You can change things. Yeah. I always just wonder if it's like one big conspiracy theory that people like to point to or if that's really like 
like I are think, the Clintons really like actually funding? Yeah, I think the world is very it's very complicated, but it's also simple. It's like the Pareto principle, eighty twenty rule. We always talk about it's the same with the way the world politics are run and the, how many media networks there are. There's only a few powerhouses that run everything, and I know it's crazy to think about that, but it's the truth. There we go, Ed. He's it's still loading, but yeah, no, I mean it's you only get brain freeze when the, when the ice cream hits the top. You only get brain freeze when the ice cream hits the top of your mouth. So if you turn the spoon upside down, the only thing that gets the freeze is your tongue. So if you drink some water with it as you're going along, there's no brain freeze at all. That's and amazing. That, and that's and that and that's where all the other guys didn't realize what I was like when I brought up warm water to originally start the contest. They were like, "Why is he bringing up warm water after the contest?" They knew exactly why I brought up warm water. <laughs> so that, no wonder you crushed that thing. You you came into that really understanding the dynamics. Oh yeah. The, again, everything has an engineering technique. You know, there's everything is designed for a purpose. Wow. And a lot of the food when you, when you win these contests, sometimes you're only winning by like three or four ounces. Guess what? The technique is the difference between winning and losing. Goes a long way. And sometimes, sometimes I got to say, at the end of the contest. You know, they always go chip monkey. If you looked at my mouth, my mouth was loaded. And that was the difference between winning and losing because you were able to swallow the food after you got it in. Once you had it in, you would just had to swallow it within like a certain time. And a lot of times that could have been the difference between winning and losing because you only were ahead by two, three ounces. Wow. That's impressive, Ed. Ed, do you ever get uh, nervous before a competition? I was literally just going to ask that. You know, the only time that I got nervous is one time I was, I was flying out to California and my plane was late and I was afraid that I flew out the fisherman's wharf for the hell of it because they were going to be running late. But I had, you know, they knew I was running late because my flight was delayed. They held well, up. Well, you never contest. actually got, yeah. Yeah. Now, nervous? No, never nervous. Always ready to go. Fire it up 100%. Ed's got and nervous. It was funny because yeah. you guys... I got I got no nerves at all. I got nerves of steel. And when I used to go out to the West Coast, they call me the beast from the East. Hell yeah. I love that. I would not want to go up against you in a food competition. I'd be psyched out from the site. And it was funny because when I first made the jacket, people used to see me walking through the airport and they're like, did you win? And I'm like, lady, I'm walking with a six-foot check that says I came in first. <laughs> It looked like Happy Gilmore walking the airport. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, right out of Happy Gilmore. The giant golf check. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> oh man, I always wanted one of those six foot checks. They look so cool. Yeah. It was funny because I have this giant check. It's about six feet long, and I'm like, should I take it to the bank? <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Well, Ed, thanks for coming back on. Oh, clarify some things with the internet yeah. oh yeah anytime you're i'm always available jarvis is always available the big question is will fourth of july go on and they will they have this contest because i feel that you know this whole corona thing is not going to allow it to happen so maybe they'll do it at the end of the summer but i just don't see it happen on the six unless they do it in a closed environment and it's like I hope they people because how do you do it yeah and it's the content yeah we'll say yeah. You're talking about, you know, there's like 100,000 people there or more, and then I can allow that to happen, although it doesn't seem to stop the running. <laughs> yeah, there's that many people on the street now, so just put up a Nathan's booth and we'll be good to go. 
Oh, yeah, then you're talking 100,000 people plus. And it's amazing they get that many people in that one little dense area. Wow. Wow. To get out of there is a job. It's like a full-time job just to get out of there because, like, when you get in there, you're like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get out of here because, like, just to park the car is a job. I feel like I had to get Shamu to get down the beach. I can't believe you left that contest and then went to a barbecue. I think that's my favorite thing. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) I never You know the funny part? When I went to Nathan's, I would get a 55-passenger bro. I would bring 50 per year, bring food for everybody, drinks. they get, like, food coupons to go up to the food court and get hot dogs. And then I would get sponsors. So, like, sponsors would sponsor shirts. I'd throw out, like, 200 shirts in the event. And by the end of the day, you were exhausted. The funny part is I was always get invited to, a, you know, somebody's house after, and they're like, what are you going to have? I'm like, I'm just thinking of having a salad. I don't think I feel like having a hot dog for sure because I just had, like, you know, 30 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Wild you even with I, was, I was like, no, I think the best was going to Indiana and, and eating baked beans, 8.4 pounds of baked beans at a contest where the guy next to me lost it into my food. I had oh. one scoop left to finish. Oh. I, could, I couldn't finish. It was, I was done, right? Uh, so oh. I lost like $700 because I didn't finish. Second of all, you get to the airport, and they're like, do you have anything explosive? I said, ma'am, did you read the shirt? And she goes, what did the <laughs> shirt say? And I said, it, just, it says, I just got done eating eight pounds, four ounces of baked beans. I said, that might be a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, this could be like Al-Qaeda. <laughs> Little explosive. Right? Oh, man. That's quite the article there. <laughs> I think that was one of my funniest questions ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got I, I to say, one of my, fun, my, my most fun contests was the wing bowl. Because even though it was like, a, it was mayhem. Because you ever see Mad Max where they're like burning garbage pails in the parking lot? Yeah. yeah. So it's in the town, it's in Philadelphia. There's like burning garbage pails. I'm like, I pray to God my car's here when I come out because you're like, there's burning garbage pails all over the place. These people are like out of control. They look, they, they make this rioters look mild in Philadelphia. 25,000 o'clock. I walk in, I'm in the, I'm in the bathroom in, in the locker room. And Bon Jovi comes walking by and he's like, hey man, I just wanted to wish you good luck. I heard you're like one of the contenders. And the sad part is, I lost because somebody knocked two wings off somebody else's plate. We won't mention any names. Oh, <laughs> man, that's oh. nice. Yeah, I've seen videos cost, of the wing. It cost, me a brand, it cost me a brand new Subaru truck. So that to me is like the equivalent of like a pro athlete missing a catch. Or do you have, have you had nights like that where you wake up like, I can't believe that wing fell off the plate? I'm, I'm going to tell you something. And this first round, I bit my tongue. I literally thought it was hot sauce. It was my blood. Oh. So I was behind by I was behind by eight or nine wings. No, sixteen wings. I still made the first cut, thank God. The second round, I tied it up. I went berserk. I went all out. I was all wings in, like chickens were flying everywhere. The third round, you get two minutes. I ate 43 wings in two minutes. Whoa. To tie, to do a double overtime. Double overtime to lose by two. 
And that is, uh, that's heart wrenching to say the least. Fighting through an injury, yeah. losing by two. That's but I can't, I can't even imagine with an open wound in your mouth and hot sauce going into that, that must like burn so it bad. Didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't even, it didn't even affect me that's the sad part it was like i zoned it out and it was like it didn't matter because i had one goal in mind and that was the truck and i didn't care what happened or who i had to run through i feel like you know my whole life i've been like a rhino because rhinos don't stop for anybody they just roll them over i love it are, are you allowed to uh say your career earnings on the show I, you know i you know i don't even know to be honest with you i know there was years that i did probably 35k Plus, you know, free travel, free whatever. So, I mean, but in, in past times, I mean, that was when they didn't even pay that much. Right. There was months where I did ten or 12000 you know, just in a month. Wow. I mean, yeah, I feel like you competitive so, eaters deserve to be multimillionaires. That is such a feat that is, it's, it's tough. Like, it's not something that most people could even fathom doing. You know, the funny part is I think one of my fondest memories was I was in Las Vegas in a 32-person elimination, right? So I walked out, and I realized that the NDA is doing the Summer League. And I walk out, and there's Shaq and Kobe Bryant and Yao Ming in the lobby of the Aladdin. And I say to Shaq, hey, Shaq, you want to see something cool? I'm getting ready to eat <laughs> pasta. Now, I, I had met him at the Greek games when they played in the Summer League in Greece for my honeymoon. Oh, wow. So I met them once before, so they... So he says, you guys are in an eating competition? I said, yeah, you got to come check this out. So Shaq and Kobe and Yao came to watch me eat. Now, I have all three of their autographs on, a, you know, balls, each individual guy. I have Shaq's shoe. I have, you know, Kobe's ball. Oh, I had wow. Yao's ball. And, and it was funny because recently, you know, when Kobe passed, it was, like, terrible because it was, like, just such a tragedy. It was, like, you know, but again, if you fly in a helicopter 17 times a month, the risk is great. Yeah, it's great. True. And yeah. it really feels so, like since it was, it was, passed, everything went downhill. The whole world. Yeah, no, the whole world has changed. I mean, let's face it, what it is, is uh, this whole year has been a drastic, you know, downer for many things. But you know what you have to do? You have to realize that life goes on. Your memories will travel. We got to get over it and get on and just get on with our lives. And you got to just keep pushing forward because you know what? As Trump says, and you may not want to hear it, this country is a, is a powerhouse, whether you like it or not. And one way or another, we're going to the top and ain't nobody taking us out, whether you like it or not, corona or not. You heard it, folks. And I had one last thing. Uh, Megan Martinez wanted to know, what kind of pasta was that that you ate in front of Shaq, Kobe, and Yao? Uh, well, awesome. cliff, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger for Ed. Big cliffhanger. We'll, we'll find out for you, Megan. Uh, I might guess... Probably some fettuccine Alfredo. He looks like a guy that really could put down with that mayonnaise tub he was crushing. I wouldn't <laughs> crush the Alfredo sauce. Okay, I was going to guess Penne. Seems like an yeah. easy thing. To oh, hey, what was the part? Yeah, what a teaser. I know. Well, he left us with a dominant one there. There you go. Ed, we're about yeah. to sign off. But what? Yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, well, all right. I guess we'll have to pick that one up. I think we're gonna do a poll on our Twitter of what we're gonna put the different types of pastas and let our uh, 
the people who watch this, our viewers, guess. And Sounds we're going right. to just assume that the number one chosen pasta is, we're going to just tell Ed that that was the pasta that he ate. Ed Jarvis, you heard it, folks. World record holder for most food competitive eating titles in history. Thank you so much, Ed, for coming on. We're really excited to meet you and grab a bite, some dumplings, some pizza. I'm really pumped for that. We'll make it happen. And uh, great guy. Look him up on Facebook, online, Edward Cookie Jarvis. I think I, I want to go try to eat 91 dumplings, but not in eight minutes. He's definitely trying to reconnect. I don't know if we're uh, – there he is again. Oh, there he is. So we can, Ed, for the finale here, what kind of pasta was that? Somebody goes to make a phone call and loses. I lost just before. Thanks, he was saying something. So, Ed, what kind of pasta? Say it again. The pasta. What kind of pasta do you, did you eat? During that in Vegas. So the one, the one, the one time uh, I ate linguine, that was in Little Italy, and I did uh, uh, seven pounds. What was it? Seven or eight pounds? It was uh, no, <laughs> uh, six pounds, ninety, six pounds, fourteen ounces of linguine in, in Little Italy. But and Ed, in Vegas was, was angel hair. Angel. Well, was it? Is it just straight pasta, or there is there red sauce? Is there straight? Oil? Yeah, red, straight yeah, straight pasta. pasta with red sauce. In little little Italy was uh, you know linguine, but in, in Vegas was uh, angel hair, which is even tougher because it's very hard to maneuver. So it was like yeah. kind of a shoveling event. Um, I didn't even I basically just picked the plate up and shoveled away. <laughs> I love it. And I'm, I'm at, oh, I need to go crush some carbs. You've gotten me in such dinner mode now, like I'm starving. Yeah. I figured I'm going to ride 20 miles on the bike tonight. Come on, I want to. I want to spin tonight. Now we're talking. Ed. Thank All God right. I got a gym. Thank God I got a home gym. I got to throw this out there. Whether it was your prime or not, I'm pretty confident I could beat you in an Oreo eating contest. No chance, Dan. Come on. I think I could. Ed, would you come out of competitive eating retirement to challenge Dan to an Oreo contest live? It's it's hard because you know Kobayashi always every year like we would do a little demo like a one minute demo, and he was always going you know he goes I gotta say you know I always never can tell it's always gonna be really close and I go you know what I like the fact that if I can beat up anybody against Kobe I can be that close I still got it yeah that's for damn sure that guy that was something Corey ask him that again that's, that's a, a that's a power. Ed, so was, is there any chance you would come out of retirement and challenge Dan to an Oreo competition live no, on board? No, 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 Oreos. No, no, no Oreos. No, 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 Oreos. No more eating for me. I promised my wife I'm out. I'm out. That's it. <laughs> made my promise. Okay. Jarvis makes his word. That's it. <laughs> what if we do something Funny healthy? They can like pull Jarvis out of retirement. Ed, you could coach me though. I'm, I want to enter a dumpling eating contest. Co coaching. No problem. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe we'll have you coach Dan in a contest. Well, thanks again, buddy. It's been a pleasure. Guys, it's dinner time. I hear those bells ringing. Let's that was eat. Fun. Very fun. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the there night. Thanks, Ed. Bootstrapped in the trenches, yeah. making moves going all out.
every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lodell, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go